Welcome to another episode of the Dave Stockbridge Podcast. Well, the sun is shining, the birds are singing, it's Dave from Real, and thanks again for joining us on the podcast, which you can now connect with on Spotify, iTunes, uh, or SoundCloud. So regardless of if you're on the iPhone or the Android, there's always a way to hook up with our podcast every week. And of course, every week I aim to bring you real estate information and community news that I hope helps you make a better educated, informed decision about your next move in real estate. I'm a local auctioneer and real estate agent of some 20 years experience and as such offer some interesting insights so that you and your family are better poised uh, and have all of the information at hand whenever it is that you're considering all things real estate. So over the last month or so we've been covering in depth the mayoral race in the city of Salisbury. We've been involved in uh, the uh, organisation of a couple of town hall meetings so that locals had an opportunity to speak to those people and rub shoulders with those that hope to influence and uh, ultimately uh, govern us over the next four years at a local government level. Uh, it's been quite hotly contended, the mayoral race, and but all four candidates uh, have made their way uh, to our studios, or I've gone to them in the case uh, of Gillian Aldridge and been kind enough uh, to be interviewed by me. And that just offers all of our listeners a, a great insight into the thinking of these people that seek to lead us into uh, the next four to eight years. Um, I hope you've enjoyed that series. We're going to draw a line under that as the ballots are out right now. And um, all of those people know who uh, I'm backing with uh, Matthew Norris. Uh, of course, those people that follow our material would know that Matthew is an integral part of our team. And uh, he is running for mayor and one of the youngest candidates for mayor um, across the state at the moment. And so, um, you know, naturally, I would suggest to anybody out there to uh, uh, tick and be one next to his name if you get in that ballot and you're in the city of Salisbury. Uh, we wish all the candidates in the city of Playford uh, election coming up all the very best as well. And uh, over the, the uh, next couple of weeks, we'll have a, an idea as to who it is that will be representing us uh, and, um, and governing us moving forward. So very exciting times and um, uh, best of luck to all of those candidates. And a, and a very big thank you to those candidates that have come onto the podcast and availed themselves to our listeners. So I guess it, we, we have been covering that and why, why I want to draw a little bit of a line under that is because um, it would appear over recent weeks we've been developing more of an international audience and what's really interesting about that is those guys, uh, and if you're listening, hi, thank you very much. For some reason we've got a disproportionate amount of listenership in the Netherlands uh, and in the United States. Um, we also um, have great listenership in the UK um, and of course here locally where it's concentrated, where our popularity is more, um, I, I guess, uh, tangible. Um, it's, a, um, it, you know, it's an absolute pleasure to bring great information, but I also understand that when we get really localised that it perhaps holds less value uh, for those people that are overseas. So I just want to talk about some general rules of thumb and, and some uh, just, just good real estate advice that I think regardless of where you might be around the world or in this country, uh, that you'll be able to take away and deploy to great effect. Now, I'm often approached by people with, um, and, and this is partly because we enjoy a very good relationship with several of the best property managers in the area. And so as a result, we often get phone calls from their landlords asking if they should be selling their property with the tenant still in there uh, as a going concern 
or whether or not they should be asking the tenant to vacate. Now, more often than not, that's a bit of a coded question because what they're asking is permission to sell it whilst the tenant's there, whilst they're still generating a good income. And what the, the next, I guess, part B of that question is, and what's the risk associated with that? So very simply, it is a suboptimal situation to be selling a property with a tenant in. Why? Because the person that you're relying upon to provide presentation and access has no vested interest in the process whatsoever. So we know this just in dealing with um, vendors who are owner-occupiers that are selling. It, it, there becomes a point of inertia where they just can't get away from it and they ultimately lose a little bit of interest themselves. You know, week one, the home is perfect. Week three, look, it's still pretty good, but maybe they're not, you know, dusting the shelves on the bookshelf anymore or, or cleaning out the pantry like they did in the first week. Or maybe the lawns just get left uh, for that extra couple of days and aren't beautifully crisply cut on the Saturday morning of open inspection anymore. So you can just imagine the impact of fifth or sixth open inspection might have on the psyche of a tenant. These are people that are inconvenienced by our presence. These are people that hold no interest in um, necessarily and no vested interest. There's no financial gain for them. And ultimately, it's a reminder to them that the house or the home that they have is not their house. And uh, a constant reminder of that might be the gigantic signboard that sits out the front of their home. Um, and they've got to return every day from work to a reminder that they're not quite in control of their destiny. So there's a number of things that are going along, are going on on a psychological level with the tenant that landlords don't quite get. Um, and I will say that as a blanket rule, there's certainly those that are more empathetic and sympathetic to the tenant. But for the most part, a landlord thinks of it in a very binary way. I have a property, I want to sell it, it's my legal right to sell it, I'm going to sell it. Okay, well, let's look at it from that perspective. If we were to um, take that view and um, foist ourselves upon the tenant, well, we've got to provide two weeks notification to the tenant that the property's coming to market. Then we can perhaps get some photography done and the like with their permission at a time of their convenience, of course. Now there's no guarantees that once the photographer gets there, who we're you know, paying several hundred dollars in order to be there to make the property look fantastic, that the property's going to be well presented. Um, but let's just say it is. Well, the property's well presented, the photography gets done, we get the photography back, we release the property online. Well, we can't do another inspection for, well, we can't do an inspection to show buyers through for two weeks after that to be in compliance with our laws here in South Australia. And then beyond that point, we've got to provide no less than seven and no more than 14 days notification. And those inspections can't go for more than 45 minutes. And the frustration often being is that when we have a really successful open inspection, and usually in the first or second week of coming to the market, we meet buyers on a Saturday that want to come back on a Monday or a Tuesday. Well, we're just not afforded that opportunity when we're marketing a property that's tentative. We've really got to rely on the tenant allowing us to be able to do that. And even if they did, by the letter of the act, we're actually in breach of it. So as much as we seek the flexibility and accommodation of the tenant in selling the property, ultimately, even if they're doing what we ask them to do and what we would hope that they would do, we can find ourselves in breach and perhaps in a situation where we may have to ourselves, landlord, pay fines for that. 
So it is quite the legislative minefield, you would say. The Act is densely packed with consumer protections. And in this case, it is the tenant that is the consumer, not the buyer for your home. So a tenancy agreement subsists in South Australia regardless of proprietorship. So even if a new owner came in, if the property is let for another nine months, well, the incoming purchaser would have to uh, oblige that lease and see it through for that nine month period. They can't legally, they can't break it. They could perhaps work something out by mutual agreement, but you know, they can't place any pressure on the tenant to do that either. So what's really interesting now is that we've got a, I guess this myriad of rules and regulations that can trip us over at any point of that process, either in real time or retrospectively, should we put the tenant offside at any point? So you can see just through that, that there are some complications here. It's not straightforward. We're dealing with a tenant that probably isn't, ter- well, isn't excited about the fact that they're now going to be inconvenienced every couple of weekends in order to uh, allow a real estate agent into their homes who's going to bring strangers into their home. And, um, and so in often cases, you know, the tenant will say, look, I don't feel comfortable with that. And they're quite within their rights to say that. I want to be here for the open inspection. And when they're at the open inspection, you know, some tenants take the view that I'll do what I can to help sell the home so I can get a quality landlord who's going to look after the home and keep me in good stead and hold me on as a tenant for the medium to long term because that's perhaps the tenant's aspiration. But then you get other tenants who think, well, hey, I'm on a periodic agreement. I've paid my rent. I've done the wrong thing. I'm a bit pissed off here. There's a bunch of stuff the owner didn't attend to or that the property manager uh, hasn't seen to be sorted out. And I'm going to have a big whinge to these people about it. And that happens as well. You're inviting many elements into the process when selling a property that's not tenanted that you do not have control over. And it's a difficult enough process in any marketplace, even a buoyant one as the one we're experiencing right now in Adelaide. So what happens then if we're dealing with this situation, say two years time when the market's dropping away, when buyer interest is evaporating, when the pool of stock is, is enlarging? Well, it becomes tough going. So my best advice to any landlord who's considering selling is really consider the timing associated with that. Give it a lot of forethought. If you're expecting to retire in two years time and you're thinking, look, that investment property is not gonna serve us so well in our retirement, then don't wait till two years time. Start talking to me now. Let's really plan this process out. So if the tenant happens to move earlier and the market conditions are great now, well, you might want to move quicker in order to ride the wave of the market whilst it's still good. You might just, uh, you might just unfortunately not have that opportunity to be so selective about your timing and you might think, well, you know what? Um, if, the, uh, if the tenant moves out at the wrong time, to then commit to another tenant for 12 months? Is that gonna fit our plan? And what's, how's that plan going to work in the context of the current market conditions? Well, if I know in advance by a year or two as to what your plans are in the medium term, then I'm best placed to be able to advise you as to when to make the most of any of the situations that might throw themselves up 
with respect to your investment property over the next year or two. Now, one thing's for sure, the market is as good as it has ever been, but it's my prediction that this will not last much longer. I do feel that we're at the end of the cycle and anybody who's been listening to the podcast will have a, a strong sense as to my feelings around this. I think that this is about as good as it's ever gonna get. Uh, and to paraphrase, I guess there to paraphrase John Howard a little bit, you know, we, we, we've never had it so good. But here's the thing, a lot of people aren't in acknowledgement of that right now. There are still people out there that are holding on, feeling that there might be this continued trajectory in pricing. And my suggestion to those people is just to cool your heels a little bit. No one in the industry is expecting that. If it happens, it's a great thing, but look, it's against all conventional wisdom. If anything, there's a backdrop of uh, softening in values across the Eastern Seaboard and in the major capital cities. And that's in those major capital cities like Sydney and Melbourne, where they have 50,000 new people move to the city every single month. Now that's not happening here in South Australia. We don't have those population growth pressures. And so what is it that's underpinning our marketplace right now? Well, business confidence is at its highest level in many, many years. We can probably thank in some part a new government, a fresh approach after 16 years of Labor government. Uh, we've now found ourselves with conservative government for the first time and uh, in many, many years. And so as a result, there was an uptick in business confidence that surged after the election in March. And then we're still very much riding that wave, although there's only been a slight softening of uh, less than one or so percent uh, in the last survey that's been conducted. So business confidence is high and that seems to be translating into consumer sentiment in the real estate market. Uh, the Holden's closure 12 months ago was predicted to have a much more severe effect on local property values and it hasn't come to bear. It was going to have a, very, a negative effect on unemployment levels and it just doesn't seem to have. So all signs suggest that the market is as good and as robust in Adelaide and in the northern suburbs of Adelaide in particular as what it's likely to be for some time yet. So have things plateaued? Well, I, I do feel that there was a softening a couple of months ago and that things have now plateaued and that we're now in a holding pattern. Now, if that persists over the next six to 12 months, then I think that's great for people that are planning their next move in property. But let, let, me, uh, let me just assure you that if conditions shift quicker than that, then you'll hear it first on the Dave Sobridge podcast. I'm Dave from Real. I thank you for taking the time and listening every week and I look forward to speaking with you next time. Thanks for tuning in again to this episode of the Dave Sobridge podcast. Please follow us on Facebook or subscribe to us on iTunes and we look forward to bringing you more next week.